0: Hello everyone this is Manny Fishman and I'm with Jonathan August. We're both real estate lawyers at Buckhalter focusing on commercial leasing. It's been a challenging few months in commercial leasing and we thought we would do this podcast together to talk about an important topic operating expenses and the pass-through of expenses related to COVID-19 in commercial leases. So the first thing to talk about is whether COVID-19 related expenses, whether they're PPE expenses, hand sanitizers, uh, social distancing expenses, additional uh, people at the reception area, are those operating expenses? And the clear answer is yes. Those are operating expenses of a building and can be passed through to the tenant as part of rent. A lease may contain some limitations, but absent express limitations, these expenses are operating expenses. But that's only half the question and half the answer. The real question is, how much of these expenses can be passed through. And that's where we get into a real important concept called gross-up. A gross-up provision, which is common in a commercial lease, tries to normalize expenses between years. The most obvious example of a gross-up provision is where you have a new building that in the initial years is only 50% occupancy because the developer or the owner is just starting to lease up the building. And that might take more than one year. And it would be unfair to have the tenant pay for increases in operating expenses related to vacancy and the variables of vacancy. So obviously if a building is only 50% occupied, operating expenses that vary with occupancy are going to increase dramatically as we move up to 100% occupancy. And so a gross-up provision tries to normalize those expenses by saying, Operating expenses that vary with occupancy, some would say that are non-recurring, are normalized, so we match apples to apples. And Manny, um, do you believe that um, there will be any
1: sort of, or or a landlord could Um, put a cap on these expenses, or or tenants may request a cap on these expenses, or are these sort of excluded categories that the entirety of the cost can be passed through uh, as appropriate to the tenants per their leases?
0: Many leases do have some caps or maximum amounts that a landlord can pass through in any one year for any type of operating expense. And we may see situations where a tenant may say, with respect to certain non-recurring costs, a landlord can only pass through these non-recurring costs or costs that vary with, uh, with occupancy up to X amount per year. And then we see whether they can continue on a cumulative basis. But for the most part, that would not be the case and as long as we normalized expenses then any expense that varied with occupancy would be passed through but the reason that's important Jonathan is because that means that if you had a lease that you entered into in 2018 or 2019 that had a base year for operating expenses of those years you might have to put a certain portion of the COVID-19 expenses into the base year in order to normalize those expenses. And that's the issue we need to consider. And there's there's currently no custom and practice because this is the first year where we've incurred these type of special expenses. For the most part, what I think landlords are going to do is say this was an extraordinary expense. The building is still fully occupied. And so this is not an expense that varies with occupancy. It's an expense that I had to incur due to a emergency and I get to pass through the full amount of those expenses to tenants who had leases that were entered into in 2018 and 2019. The real question is going to be what about leases that are entered into in 2020? Should a landlord put the COVID-19 expense in the base year expenses thereby having, I'll say, an artificially high base year for 2020. And that is a difficult question to answer.
1: Do you anticipate that that the potential answer to that question is going to be based on some sort of analysis of how long people think the pandemic itself will last? Um, if, it, if it's going to last for another year, year and a half, that there may be better grounds to keep those costs uh, artificially high as the initial base year, or, or do you think that it's, it's not gonna be really based in anything to that extent? It's just simply going to be a decision landlords are going to make on their own, however they feel.
0: Um, that's a great question. And um, obviously some people believe that COVID-19, is not a you know, once in a lifetime experience, that this is the beginning of an era in which we will see repeated instances of worldwide pandemics, and we will go in and out of the type of shelter in place rules that we've seen. I think it's too early to tell. Right now, I don't think this is going to be an expense that continues from year to year, therefore having to put it into the base year, but some landlords may elect to do that, and some tenants may try to negotiate leases that um, provide that if another pandemic occurs, Landlords need to put some of those costs in the base year so that tenants only pay increases in costs from that which was incurred in 2020. The other issue that comes into mind, though, uh, Jonathan, is not all operating expenses in 2020 resulting from COVID 19 have increased. HVAC costs. Have likely gone down. Electricity costs have likely gone down as well. And that's because even though landlords say the building is technically occupied, there are fewer tenants in their spaces and the demand for HVAC is down. The amount of lighting in premises that varies with occupancy has gone down. Yes, there have been costs that have gone up, and those relate to administrative costs, employee overtime costs, and supervising contractors in the building, and cleaning costs of common area. Cleaning costs, janitorial costs of tenant premises has gone down a little bit. So it's unclear whether as a whole operating expenses for 2020 are going to go up or down and this may affect a landlord's decision as to whether to put COVID-19 expenses in the base year or not. So the best advice to property managers and owners is to segregate these costs, identify them, segregate them, and also identify and segregate the costs you're incurring for certain variable costs like janitorial and electricity, including HVAC.
1: In, in, in addition, obviously, to the these kind of common costs which may be going you know up and down as you have described, whether it be HVAC and electricity that may go down, uh, and other certain costs related to COVID that have you know increased as a result of the pandemic. Um, One of the things that is a really interesting question is um, how does a landlord pass through costs that may be incurred as a result of a positive case um, of COVID uh, for a tenant uh, or an employee of a tenant in their building, given that the employee presumably has used some common area spaces when they're walking in to the building, as well as just that individual space? That the tenant otherwise occupies is there a way in which you know that cost would be broken down um, for for different tenants
0: another great question Um, And this goes into the concept that we incorporate into leases called cost pools a cost pool provision in a lease Essentially says that if the landlord incurs an expense that can be identified as solely for a certain tenant or a certain type of tenant, that the landlord can just allocate that expense to that tenant or class of tenants. A perfect example is ground floor retail, where there might be a certain type of expense like window washing, sidewalk cleaning, Um, that is really directed just to retail tenants. And also, tenants that just use excess HVAC during after hours should be allocated only to those tenants that use excess HVAC. So we do have a history of a concept called cost pools and a COVID-19 related operating expense that's been triggered by a tenant who reports to a landlord that one of its employees has tested positive, therefore requiring the landlord to undertake extra cleaning in the tenant's space and extra cleaning in the restrooms and common area corridors on that floor may indeed be a cost pool expense that can be directly allocated to that tenant. Now, care needs to be taken because on a multi-tenant floor where many tenants may use the common area restrooms and the elevator lobby on that floor, there is an argument that the cost should be passed through to all tenants on that floor even though uh, the, 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 the trigger of that expense was from one tenant on that floor. And so there might be some cost segregation there, but it would be unfair, I think, to pass that cost on to all tenants of all floors or in that elevator um, bank. But that is something that needs to be considered. And obviously, if you have a full tenant floor uh, where a tenant occupies the entire floor, I think that's an easier cost to segregate just to that tenant. That makes a great deal of sense. But
1: you know, coming out of that, that concept, though, you know, there's the issue uh, that obviously exists in a lot of leases is that tenants have the ability or rights to oftentimes audit landlord expenses uh, that are passed through um, typically on an annual basis. Um, and you know, the question here is obviously some of these costs related to COVID-19 are somewhat unprecedented or higher than normal um, and do you anticipate that tenants who may have not otherwise availed themselves of their audit rights on a normal year basis are going to absolutely do that now as a result of the you know the COVID pandemic um, and potential costs that they may see get passed through?
0: Uh, it's too early to tell. This issue will come up in two thousand twenty-one um, as tenants get their reconciliation statement for 2020. And it's a great way to kind of bring everything we've talked about together. A landlord that is too aggressive in passing through expenses um, or is aggressive in reducing base year expenses such that 2021 expenses are going to be higher, is going to run the risk of an audit Uh, And I think sophisticated tenants, uh, institutional tenants that have the wherewithal and see a large increase are going to question these pass-throughs. And the biggest um, argument or the best avenue that they're going to have to challenge this is inconsistent accounting. If a landlord in prior years accounted for certain expenses one way, but all of a sudden, lo and behold, in 2020 adopted a different approach that was inconsistent with its historic practices, that's just going to be something that the lawyer for a tenant is going to jump on. So it's a great way to bring everything together Property managers need to start identifying these expenses. They need to segregate them and see where the increases really are and where the reductions really are, and then figure out with their attorney a justifiable basis for either including them or not including them in 2020 expenses and document that so that if and when an audit comes to play, there is a rational basis for the allocation. Um, let me now kind of turn the, uh, turn the uh, podcast back to you, um, Jonathan, because a lot of sure. this kind of goes back to your initial question, how long do we think this is going to last? Um, you're the uh, firm expert on um, eviction moratoria Um, as it relates to COVID-19. So let me ask you, what is the current state of eviction controls or limitations, and how long do we see that lasting?
1: It's a really uh, good question. Um, So for the majority of the time during COVID uh, in California, um, the Judicial Council had effectively barred any sort of evictions both residential and commercial in the state of California. Um, two weeks ago, the Judicial Council decided to reverse those rules and allow for landlords to go ahead and begin the eviction process as of September 2nd. Um, so this kind of threw everything into a tizzy because a lot of landlords in a lot of cities um, had, were under the belief that this was going to be sort of stayed by the courts for a significantly longer period. That is obviously no longer the case. So as of today, um, a commercial landlord can go ahead uh, and potentially begin the eviction process on a tenant who has not paid rent. The the crucial caveat to all of that is the fact that there are local, uh, city, and county moratoriums that may exist that have to be complied with before any eviction action can be taken. Uh, and San Francisco is a good example of one, uh, in which since the middle of March, um, the city has said that certain qualified tenants, um, you know, do not have to pay rent, um, and are entitled to an automatic 30 day stay, uh, for repayment of rent, um, and that they can get up to six months from the date of that, uh, initial, you know, due date of rent before a landlord may even attempt to begin the process on an eviction. So for anyone going forward and any landlord who may be considering this, they have to look and understand whatever local city and county moratoriums may exist, because while the courts may be open, there may be restrictions on what uh, locally what you can and can't
0: do. And just to close the loop on that, this also applies to shelter in place rules where the state may have something, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and other counties, may have more stricter rules. Some may actually uh, have less restrict, restrictive rules. So we need to consult that as well. Um, well, we've given you a bit of a taste of some issues to consider uh, in commercial leasing when dealing with operating expenses and uh, in considering how to, um, in that, uh, how to pursue rem- your remedies in the event of a tenant default. Uh, We look forward to your questions. If you have any questions, please feel free to call Jonathan or me uh, at Buck Thank you very much.